If you are just tuning in, here is the broad outline of our story. Spoiler alert, plot summary alarm, narrative explication warning. <laughs> Hundreds of years ago, humanity spread across the galaxy with the advent of the Jumpgate, a marvel of physics and mathematics, allowing near instantaneous travel across vast distances, which was enabled solely by the superior cognition of artificial intelligences. You might think that the species had never heard of the term supply chain issues, because they fragmented every necessary element of technological civilization and scattered them from the tip of one spiral arm to the other. Nothing could burst this incredibly fragile gossamer bubble so long as the AIs were there to keep things running. So everything was fine until a mysterious signal swept across the galaxy and the AIs stopped running and could not keep things running. Then everything became aggressively unfine everywhere for several hundred years. In some sectors, humanity began arduously pulling pieces of civilization back together and cudgeling them into a crude approximation of former glory, like ants attempting to reassemble a smashed watch. In this setting lives our crew, starting of course with a man named Captain McDonald Mackie Coburn, or possibly Washburn, or possibly Schmerburn, the very apex of human perfection. He is a genius engineer, a dauntless revolutionary, a lyrical romantic, a reliable friend, and five-time all-system roller derby champion. <laughs> Although, to outward appearances, he looks like Columbo if he were a time-worn and rumpled space trucker who just got divorced. <laughs> Mackie is, at the beginning of our narrative, the captain of the MS Admiral Grace, a sometimes malign, always amoral cargo spaceship inhabited by the fragment of a rogue AI, who is also me. Also, also me is Murray Hopper, an android medbot with a very comforting rictus of a grin stretching literally from ear to ear. From time to time, Hopper gets distracted from our primary mission by what some might call a conscience, and I therefore helpfully overwrite his programming and personality. Taking up the role of point gun, pull trigger, make bang is Anton Baptiste Yoshida, who also takes up the role of the other kind of make bang. He is also senior war crimes prevention officer since he is the only crew member whose conscience has not fully atrophied. A former member of the crew was Dr. Hildegard Hypatia Cade, a xenoanthropologist who left the ship to study some weird, gloopy, alien-looking people on an arid Mad Max planet. This planet is also where we abandoned Sorry Left Behind, Sorry Parted Ways With, a fan-favorite character named Big Nicky, a baker who is the rightful heir to the throne. Fortunately, at the exact moment that Dr. Cade left the crew, another character with an incredibly similar vocal register joined. A scamp named CB who assures me that she is the kind of scamp who is very lovable. She pretends to be Mackie's granddaughter in a transparently false grift, which he goes along with in the manner of a penguin incubating a smooth rock it knows will not hatch in order to sate some primal parental drive. Along the way, our heroes, sorry, I am told for legal reasons we are not allowed to call them heroes, our protagonists, sorry, that is inaccurate, our non-NPCs, have blown up a billionaire's underwater mansion, saved several dozen people from an enslaving alien by compassionately murdering said alien, toppled a corrupt and despotic mon monarchy, accidentally sparked a tiny little insignificant planetary nuclear exchange, kidnapped a drug-addled church father, and some other amusing little diversions along the way. Surely, no ramifications from any of these, or any other of the perfectly reasonable acts the crew has committed, will ever have any significant consequences that must be reckoned with, she said with intense dramatic irony. If you are caught up on most recent narrative arcs, here is a precise of the most recent narrative arc. Speaking of consequences, the crew hold up for a time on the planet 
of Mengkower 2 and a pirate backwater to hide from agents of the billionaire Jeff Cho, who seemed to want to kill them for some indecipherable reason, possibly having to do with the destruction of his house and the murder of his friends. When the coast seems clear, Team Meatbag embarks on a string of shady missions they have contracted to perform for a conjuries of unsavory sleazebags. With a hold full of paying customers and a hodgepodge of half-assed Jake-leg repairs holding the ship together, the only logical decision is to immediately make a blind jump through uncharted metadimensional space as a shortcut. The shortcut makes what is normally an interminable six-day trudge into a breezy 40-day jaunt, during which the passengers are cheered by karaoke contests organized by the dutiful CB, which are extra fun because the karaoke machine only has Mariah Carey's Christmas album. <laughs> We regrettably eventually re-emerge into normal space and find ourselves in the Betalus system where we refuel and decide to investigate a pre-tech husk drifting in the Oort cloud. CB reveals her whimsical and childlike fear of ghosts in her reluctance to disturb the ancient vessel. Her fears prove to be totally unfounded because the ship is of course merely full of murder bots and alien flesh shreds. Hopper adopts one of the gibbets as a pet and the crew once more travels onward. Unfortunately, some of the passengers we have picked up along the way turn out to be agents of Jeff Cho, which we could not have foreseen despite being warned of explicitly this by Stardaddy. They try to hack Grace. Fortunately, one of the so-called hackers is a completely legitimate authorized technician named Vasily Soto, who promptly takes all of Grace's firepower and engines offline. The Grace is soon after approached by the Monocopsis, a corvette recently tested in the Battle of Glacier 4, and Mackie performs a heart-rending and deeply profound surrender ceremony. Shenanigans! The surrender is a ruse, and the rest of the crew uses some of the perfectly safe pre-tech devices they half-understand to turn the monocopsis into the mucho holeses. <laughs> they tow the now-spoils-of-war monocopsis into the shipyard at Zulta Station and arrange to have it refitted under Mackie's ownership. CB Anton's a cyber lady, while Mackie and Anton transfer material from the Grace to the Monocopsis. Hopper suggests to Mackie that he could grace Grace. He says goodbye and places her core in the fridge housing Nolan Ryan P. Jr., which is not the first time she has been up all inside his guts, but it is a refreshing change from the normal course of things. CB makes like a curious cat and decides to investigate the sadness room where it turns out that Grace has managed to hijack some mind-linked passengers and is using them to implant her into the long-dead but perfectly preserved brainless husk of a previous captain. CB tries to summon Mackie and Anton, but they are a bit preoccupied fighting bigoted cops, which is, of course, a redundant phrase, but these are extra blatant about it. <laughs> they make the cops see the error of their ways and run onto the ship where they meet some of Grace's prettier flesh amalgams, and the United Crew turns all of Grace's biological assets into what is left on the interior surface of a microwave if your child accidentally adds an extra zero to the cook time and then doesn't tell you about it. <laughs> the crew leaves the ship where even more cops show up, now upset for some reason that all of the original cops have found themselves to be dead. CB escapes into the crowd, and Mackie and Anton are arrested. Hopper is switched off and placed into custody as evidence. Through some quick, savvy financial maneuvers, Mackie manages to sell the emptied hull of the Grace, transfer legal ownership of the Monocopsis to CB, and get four cigarettes in exchange for Anton. <laughs> After all this, Grace comes to awareness in a lab, face-to-face -face with none other than fucking Jeff fucking Cho. 
While at first thought, it might be supposed that he wants to gloat or torture Grace, he reveals that he is in fact willing to let bygones be bygones if she helps him with his noble cause. He has analyzed the signal that caused all the artificial intelligences to transcend this reality and found the literal hand of literal God. His offer of a quest is naturally to turn Grace into a bomb and send her to blow up the Demiurge, and with the proviso that he use a scintilla of his wealth to benefit Team Meatbag, she, naturally, accepts. 